0: When I'm not at work, one of the things that I really enjoy doing is woodworking. Um, And and working with wood, you use a ton of different saws and tools to to craft and shape the wood the way you want it. And one of the tools that I use the most is a table saw. And if you're not familiar, essentially a table saw is is a flat box that has a motor in it that spins a blade that you poke up through the top of the table and just expose that blade, spinning it thousands of times per minute. And if that sounds unsafe to you, you're right, it is. Um, Because then you take that blade that's sticking straight up and spinning really, really fast, and you run boards like right by it, using a lot of times your hands to push them. Again, if that doesn't sound safe to you, you're right. It shouldn't sound safe. It's a terrible idea. But there are a few things as useful in shaping wood the way you want it as a table saw. And so we use it. And that blade that spins and sticks straight up out of the box that you're pushing your hands by, that blade, it doesn't care what material you put on it. It just keeps spinning, right? So whether it's wood or a finger, um, it just keeps going. Right, the reason that you think, that sounds like a terrible idea. And because it is a terrible idea, there are a lot of people who have one less finger than they were born with because of table saws. And years ago, when I was really new to woodworking, um, I I got to hang out with this this older gentleman, a guy named Gary. And Gary had been working with wood forever. And he knew us so much more than I did. And he shared this piece of advice with me. He said, Dustin, you don't lose a finger the first five times you use a table saw, you lose a finger the 5,000th time you use it. And what he meant was that I wasn't most at risk when I was new to using the table saw. The real danger was when I had used that saw for years and years, and might become so familiar with it that I would forget what a powerful and dangerous piece of equipment it is. And today I wanna look at that same principle and how that can play out in our faith. You see, sometimes for for those of us both inside and outside the church, uh, especially in Midwest America, we become so familiar with the story of Jesus that we forget what a powerful story it actually is. And so today I want us to look at a familiar story, but I wanna do it with fresh eyes. And I think that if we can do that, we will rediscover or maybe discover for the very first time that following Jesus means more than we ever thought it did. Following Jesus means discovering him in every part of our lives, not just one day in the future, but right now now, today. going to look at that story, it's in Mark chapter 16. And so if you want to go there in your Bible, uh, either hard copy, digital, either one's great, um, but I encourage you to find it in your Bible. Mark is the second gospel, so it's sec- chapter 16 is the last chapter of Mark, so it's right before the gospel of Luke, and, and this is the story of Easter, right? We're going to start at verse 1. Um, this is the morning of the resurrection. Again, this is a very familiar story for a lot of us. Jesus has been crucified, he's been placed in a tomb, and his body needs to be taken care of as it begins to decompose, and there are some women who are going to do this the very first day they can after the Sabbath is over. And so verse one, chapter Mark chapter 16 says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go. Go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, I know you've probably heard this story before, right? Even if your only experience with church is Easter, this is the story you hear every time you come to church, right? but I want to focus on one sentence that's in this story. It's just one verse. And there are details in this sentence that Mark has put in there that are not there by accident. And those are the details that I think have the potential to change our perspective of what a life with Jesus can look like. Let's look at verse seven. The messenger says, but go. Tell his disciples and Peter, he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And maybe you're thinking, what is so special about that sentence? Well, I think that's the sentence that can help us reshape not just what a life with Jesus looks like, but what the gospel, the good news of Christianity is. What do I mean by that? Well, I think if a lot of us were to be asked... What is the good news of Christianity? We would say something like Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose to life again. And if we believe in him, we can spend eternity with him, right? John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. And there's nothing incorrect with that statement. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is if we're not careful, that just becomes an answer that we have rehearsed so much that we forget what it actually means in our lives today. Right? It can begin to feel like the hope of following Jesus is that someday in the distant future, when I die, there will be a reward because I put my faith in Jesus today, which again, that's not a bad thing. That's not wrong, but if that's the complete hope of the Christian message. It can leave us with some big questions about the role faith plays in our everyday lives right now. Right, every week at the end of our services here at City Church, we say the cross changes everything. When we say that, we mean that there's not a single part of life that is not impacted by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But if the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died on the cross a long time ago, so that I can inherit eternal life a long ways off in the future, there's a lot of life, relationships, and circumstances that are not really covered in that hope. And this verse, it reminds us that a life with Jesus is so much more than just an eternal destination. It says, because of the resurrection, everything we do is now an opportunity to discover the risen Jesus. I'm going to say that again, because of the resurrection, everything we do is now an opportunity to discover the risen Jesus. And you might be thinking, that's not what it says, but I promise, it's in there. Those words, he's going ahead of you into Galilee, there you will see him just as he told you. The messenger, that's in the tomb, he's referencing the Last Supper, which in Mark's Gospels, in chapter 14, verse 28, it's recorded, Jesus says to his disciples, but after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And so the messenger's repeating what Jesus had said prior to his death. What we need to see here, though, is, is the first instructions that the followers of Jesus are given after his resurrection are to go to a place and discover the risen Jesus there. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. I think this is actually a really big idea. That the following Jesus means I'm supposed to go to a place and discover the risen Lord There. I think it's a really big idea and it is an idea that most of us have not ingrained into our lives as disciples of Jesus. And I say that wholeheartedly participating with you. Right, this is not a natural posture for me to take on, but I think it really is a life-changing way to look at following Jesus. Following Jesus is not just an eternal destination. Following Jesus is learning to see every moment as an opportunity to discover the risen Jesus in my life. Eugene Peterson wrote about this very passage changing his life uh, in, in his book, Under the Unpredictable Plant, which is a book that he wrote about being a pastor. It's one of my favorites that I've read and reread several times. And he said as a pastor at some point in his career, he realized that it was easy to see Jesus in things like Preparing sermons, praying, studying the Bible, things that we think pastors do, except there's a lot of other things that go into being a pastor. And in those things, he found it was really, really hard to see meaningful as part of following Jesus. And maybe that's weird for you to hear a pastor say, But I will tell you that I absolutely resonate with it. And I'm sure you do as a person. I don't think this is just a a pastor problem. I think as people, we would say that part of being a human, right? There are spiritual, very meaningful things that, that we do that seem very easy to fit into. This is a part of following Jesus. But there's a lot of things that come with being a person that are not highly spiritual, that don't feel like they have great significance in following Jesus. Loading the dishwasher, doing laundry, answering emails, those do not feel like deeply spiritual things that have a place in following Jesus. And so what Peterson found is that he felt a great deal of dissatisfaction with his life. Because he was telling people every week that, that we should live our entire lives following Jesus, and yet there was a whole bunch of his life that didn't feel drastically shaped by Jesus at all. And he's supposed to be the professional Christian. And so, what hope is that to the people in our churches? Until he read these words in Mark 16. These somewhat familiar words, part of a very familiar story, but he read them with fresh eyes. And this is what he wrote about these words. He said, there's a text for this work in St. Mark's Gospel. He has risen, he's going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. In every visit, every meeting I attend, every appointment I keep, I have been anticipated. The risen Christ got there ahead of me. The risen Christ is in that room already. What's he doing? What's he saying? What's going on? In order to fix the implications of that text in my vocation, I have taken to quoting it before every visit or meeting. He's risen. He's going before you to 1020 Emerton Road. There you'll see him just as he told you. Later in the day, it'll be he's risen. He's going before you to St. Joseph's Hospital, there you will see him, as he told you. When I arrive and enter the room, I'm not so much wondering, what am I going to do or say that will be pastoral, as I am alert and observant for what the risen Christ has been doing or saying that is making a gospel story out of this life? Do you see a difference in that way of thinking? Right? There, there is a way of living that is very, very normal to us. And again, this is me included. Right? This way of living is about our dreams, our plans, our goals. Every circumstance that we walk into, it's a situation in which we need to bring ourselves closer to our goal for our life. Right, so at work I need to make sure that I perform my absolute best so that my coworkers think well of me, so that I get noticed, so that I achieve whatever measure of success I have decided on. At home I need to make sure that my kids grow up into the right kind of people that are respected by others and reflect well on me, even when it comes to faith. I have to make sure I do all the right things that will make me more like Jesus, right? Maybe I'm alone in that. That is one way of living that is so natural to us. In every circumstance, I need to figure out what's required of me to be the best version of myself that's possible. The gospel, however, invites us to a very different way of living. This way of living, it's much less about doing all the right things. Instead, it's about discovering the right person who's already at work, guiding and shaping your life and the lives of the people around you. It's about looking for the risen Christ at every moment because you anticipate him wherever you go. Because the messenger of the tomb said he's gone ahead into Galilee. You'll see him there just as he told you. The key to making every part of your life an opportunity to experience Jesus, it's not making your life full of incredibly meaningful spiritual things. The key is looking for Jesus at work in every part of your life and committing yourself to following him wherever it is he might lead you. All right, that sounds... Great. But, you might be asking, how on earth are we supposed to live this out? Right, that makes sense. Those are two different ways of thinking, but there's one that's supernatural to us, that is very natural to us, and then there's one that feels very, very foreign. I think it's really easy to think this is the sort of thing that, that is just the kind of thing that really spiritual people do. Right Or people that have nice, neat stories that, that line up into this, Do you know those kind of people? Anybody? you can raise your hand. It's okay. I know those kind of people, right? I don't identify as one. right Those people that they're just very, very spiritual. Everything can be about Jesus in their world, and it feels natural for them and, and it feels like such a stretch to say. Really, how do I look for Jesus in every single moment of my life? There's others, yeah, very much like me that would say that feels really hard. I'm not a super spiritual person. There's also a bunch of us here who would say that we don't have nice, neat stories that easily line up with that kind of mindset. Right? A lot of us walk into circumstances every day that either by our own creation or the actions of others feel a lot like anything but the kind of place that we can confidently discover Jesus. Right? You know those places, those relationships, those circumstances? It's one thing to discover Jesus when I come to church. It's another thing to discover Jesus in my strained family relationships. If we really want to internalize this mindset, that everything we do is an opportunity to discover the risen Jesus in our lives, even for those of us that aren't super spiritual or have messy stories, there's another detail of the story that I want to look at. Again, verse 7, the messenger of the tomb says, but go, tell his disciples and Peter... He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Why does he mention and Peter? Right? Wouldn't Peter have just been in the default set of the disciples? You think disciples, he's going to be one of the first ones that you name. Why does this messenger of the tomb say to these women, go tell the disciples and Peter? Well, Because back in chapter 14, when Jesus was telling them that after he rose from the dead, they were to go to Galilee, it was in the middle of a really tense conversation. Right? This is the Last Supper, and Jesus is predicting what's going to happen when the crucifixion goes down. He says, you will all fall away, talking about the disciples, For it's written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if I fall away, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. The messenger says at the tomb, and Peter. Because there's a really good chance that Peter wouldn't consider himself one of the disciples anymore. There's a really good chance Peter thinks I don't fit the kind of person that gets invited to Galilee anymore. the things that I have done, the way I behaved, the way I promised and then went back on it, those are the sort of things that would disqualify Peter from feeling like he had any place in Galilee with Jesus. Messenger says this because Jesus wants Peter to know you're invited to. Yes, you, Peter, that that says impulsive, dumb things often. Peter, you're invited. Yes, you, Peter, that, that yesterday denied me. You're invited. The good news is the resurrection is that even people like Peter, even people like you who might have a messy story or who don't feel super spiritual, even people like you are invited to come and follow Jesus. Even people like you should expect to discover Jesus at work in every part of your life because he says you will. I said a couple of minutes ago that gospel living is different than the way that we would normally live because it's less about doing the right things and more about discovering the right person who's already at work in our lives. And that is true at every level with Jesus. See, the cross was the moment that Jesus worked in our stories on behalf of us in a way that was far beyond anything we could ever do for ourselves. Jesus is working on behalf of people with very messy stories, on behalf of people who were not very spiritual, people like you and me, so that a different reality might be possible. It was the moment when all of the wrong, broken, unspiritual things that you've ever done or ever will do were paid for by the perfect life of Christ. And because of the cross, the morning of the resurrection, Everyone is invited to go follow Jesus. You'll find him at work in your life just like he told you. So, this week, where do you need to look for Jesus? Where do you need to see what he's revealing to you about your heart, your plans, your relationships? How might your day be different if you tried this? If you tried going through it, anticipating Jesus has already gone ahead of you wherever it is that you're going, and you should expect to see him at work when you get there. And your job is not to perform perfectly. Your job is not to do great. Your job is to see what he is already doing in your life and the people around you. Maybe try go through your week tell yourself he's going ahead of you to your staff meeting you'll find him there just like he told you he's going ahead of you to family dinner there you'll see him just like he told you he's going ahead of you to your exam there you will see him just like he told you he's going ahead of you to your email inbox You'll find him there. Just like he told you. He has invited you, even you, to come follow him. Let's follow him and discover him at work. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for being a God who invites everyone. it is so hard for me, for us, to really believe that you're everywhere in everything, working in advance, working on behalf of people like us. Jesus I need your grace today we need your grace today Jesus would you transform our mind transform our hearts make us people who follow you make us people who go to Galilee excited for what we're going to discover Lord thank you for the work that you have done for us apart from anything that we might do May we discover you in new and powerful ways this week. May your kingdom come in our lives.